is the Business of Reselling podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Oman. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 19 of the Business of Reselling podcast. Uh, I've got a juicy one for you today. I am going to give my uh, Black Friday recap that I promised you. So I'll tell you about the strategy that we used and I'll tell you how it worked. I've got some uh, some sort of data and a- anecdotal information for you about how it went. Um, but this episode is going to be about difficult, rude, aggressive, or abusive buyers. And I was playing around with the title of it. I was going to call it why you need a thick skin in reselling or how to deal with Uh, difficult buyers or how to deal with rude people online. But really, this whole episode was prompted by um, an incident that happened yesterday, uh, which I will tell you the whole story about. Um, And this buyer called me a scammer. And there's more to it than that, I'll explain. But that was just the perfect title for this episode. This buyer called me a scammer. I'm going to talk about what happened why it happened, why I think it happened anyway, because I can only speculate, um, and how it, how it played out, how I dealt with it, um, and how you can deal with similar situations that might crop up in your business, because they probably will. Um, so before we get started on those things, I just want to let you know that next week, episode 20 is going to be the last of the year. I thought it would be kind of a perfect time to just like wrap up uh, with 20 episodes for 2022. And I'm going to start season two in January. Um, next year, I'm planning to do a lot more YouTube outside the podcast to supplement it. So you might see my face a little bit more. We're going to do a bit more Instagram, I think, um, and give you a little bit more video insight into what's going on in our store. Um, and I'm going to do full episodes every second week. Um, the Just the Tip may become a video instead, or I might do video episodes in between. Um, but I want to start incorporating more variety of content without necessarily creating a whole lot more content because I don't want it to take away too much from our business and our operations um, as that's our primary focus now. So you'll see things looking a little bit different next year and hopefully even better. And I would love your feedback too um, as that those episodes go on um, as to what you're enjoying, what you want more of, and so on and so forth. So yeah, so wrapping up a what I feel has been a pretty, pretty successful half year of, of podcasting. Um, I've had a lot of fun talking to you and got some great feedback and comments. It's been really fun. So I'm excited to move that forward into 2023. Okay, so let's talk about Black Friday. All right, so what I want to do, I, a few weeks ago, I spent some episodes talking about Black Friday and holiday sales strategies. And I didn't want to share exactly what we were doing because I didn't want you to necessarily do the exact same thing um, because we all sell different things. We all have you know, different variety of things, different amount of listings. We sell on different platforms. You know, Even though we're all resellers, we have a wide variety um, in terms of the, our approach and methodology with reselling. Um, so what works for me may not work for you. Um, so here's what I did. I've started leveraging um, some of eBay's new tools with regards to coupons and being able to contact repeat buyers to try and drive sales. Um, sorry, to try and drive sales uh, prior to Black Friday um, without necessarily putting the whole store on sale right away. So what I did was I made a couple of different lists of buyers from specific categories. So I used model kits and I think I used 
I forget if I did one for comics. I may have done one for diecast cars. And what I did was I said, I sent a message to these buyers through eBay newsletter. And I said, hey, you know, thanks for purchasing from us in the past. Just to let you know, all of our model kits are going to be 20% off for Black Friday weekend. Um, but that sale isn't on to the public yet. If you want to grab an item you've been keeping your eye on at a great discount before the public has access to it, here's a coupon that will expire before Black Friday, but you can use it to get that 20% off deal early. Um, and I think it was reasonably successful. Um, the, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical of the way that eBay newsletter stats are um, displayed or I'm not sure what exactly they're driven by because it actually showed um, that I had only about 300 or so dollars in sales from um, the few newsletters that I sent out. But that coupon was definitely used more times than that. In fact, if I look at my promotions dashboard, the model kit coupon alone, which was 20% off prior to Black Friday, generated uh, $280 in sales. And then my other coupons generated like $268 in sales. Another one generated just $56. Um, and then another thing uh, that I did, so so I did that coupon, but as I, as I had that coupon out, I was ramping up the discounts in all the categories. So by the time um, American Thanksgiving actually hit, I had the entire store on sale with the exception of a few brand new listings and a few things that I just can't discount due to the margins. Um, and then the the sale on Black Friday weekend was was pretty successful. It was gangbusters Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then on the Sunday, it just died off. And I kind of looked into it and I was trying to figure out why. Um, but we only sold about a third on Sunday is what we did on Saturday. And that was really surprising to me because the past a couple of years, well, all, all of the years that I've been doing Black Friday sales, um, they tend to be really consistent over that kind of four-day weekend. Um, and this time they weren't. And then they started to pick up again on Monday. And then as the sales started expiring, we actually ended up selling quite a lot more after Black Friday. And we had a really good week. Because we're getting into, you know, sort of some of that sort of la getting to last minute Christmas shopping. Oh, my gosh. And people are like, okay, I've got to order this thing so that it gets, gets to me in time. So, I reached out to the repeat buyers first and tried to engage them. Um, you know, I think it was reasonably a successful strategy. Um, you know, it got some people who'd bought from us before that I'm pretty sure are going to be happy, right? They're good buyers. So they're going to be repeat buyers. Um, I, I'm happy to give them a discount before everybody else. So some of that exclusive access, I think, did drive some sales. Um, and then on the last, I believe it was the last couple days um, of like Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, and into a couple more days after that, I did a public coupon. And I've actually never done public coupons before. So that in eBay is where you can create a coupon that's it's just displays like a banner on all of the listings that you set it up for that says like get an extra 5% off with this coupon. And then people enter at a checkout and they get the deal. Um, that one was pretty good. Uh, so I did that extra 5% off coupon for just two days. And that generated another $661.49 in sales. So I was pretty thrilled about that. As well, uh, it looks like quite a few people accessed my newsletter subs discount, which is an ongoing 10% off coupon that I offer to everybody who joins our, our mailing list. And that's the mailing list that we keep outside of eBay. But it drives them right back to eBay to make additional purchases. And it looks like um, people were coming back and using that as well, because I was leveraging not just eBay newsletters, but my own MailChimp email 
list to um, bring more buyers back to our store. Um, so I'm pretty happy with it overall. Uh, I remember last Cyber Monday in 2021, we shipped 66 packages. This Cyber Monday, we only shipped about 42 or 44 after the weekend um, due to that slow Sunday. But um, given what's going on in the economy and all the uncertainty and all the inflation and all of that stuff, I feel like we did a pretty good job. You know, I'm generally happy with that. Um, so I'll probably tweak it and do a couple little things. Um, one thing that disappointed me is that we didn't sell a lot of die cast and we have like uh, 800 or so listings of die cast cars. A lot of them have been up for a long time. All the special stuff pretty much is gone, but you know, there's still some good cars in there. Um, Japanese domestic import cars, which a lot of people collect and lots of like, you know, pickup trucks and kind of American, um, American cars and luxury cars. We have good inventory, solid inventory still in the die cast category, but it did, it didn't really sell too much. And I had a lot of it at 50% off. Um, so that's fine. Uh, I'll probably do a similar sale on the die cast for, uh, Boxing Day and coming in the few days after Christmas to see if we can move some of that inventory because we really do need to empty some of those boxes and put some new stuff in there. Uh, so that's how Black Friday went. How did it go for you? Leave a comment on the YouTube channel. I would love to know what sales strategy you tried and how it went for your store. Um, but speaking of diecast cars, let me move on to today's content. And I was a little bit nervous about broaching this subject um, just because the incident that happened is so fresh for me and I might be still a little bit emotionally charged about it. Um, but I'm going to try and be as neutral as possible because I think that's important and that matters in business. These things happen. Um, and so it's important to deal with them professionally. Um, and hopefully I can help you do the same. So uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, we sold some diecast cars. It was a 50% off, part of the 50% off sale. And uh, the fellow, or I don't know, fellow, I don't know, person, I'll just call them they, I don't know. Um, they were in Canada. And I got a message yesterday that initially was quite polite. You know, it just said, like, hey, I received the diecast cars. I know everything looks great. But, you know, I've put a message into eBay because I don't understand why I was charged this currency conversion fee since you're in Canada and I'm in Canada and, you know, there shouldn't be this fee. Um, and they were kind of questioning me about it. And I forget the exact wording. But I just wrote back and I said, you know, all of our listings are on .com and they're in U.S. dollars, listed and sold in U.S. dollars. Uh, thank you for your purchase. That's it. That's all I said. I could go into the whole explanation of why we sell in US dollars, which I will in this podcast episode, but I didn't feel it was necessary. Um, the person said that they were calling into eBay anyway, so eBay will explain it to them. And I thought, well, I don't need to. So they wrote back and said, wow, nice scam you have going, ripping off your fellow Canadians, classy. And I was like, wow, that's that went, that kind of came out of left field. It escalated rather quickly. Um, I didn't respond to it, uh, but uh, it did sort of prompt me to go to look into this uh, buyer just, you know, a little bit more and check out the feedback that they leave for other people. And it's not much. They don't have a lot of, it looks like they haven't um, done a lot on eBay. They've been a member for a couple of years. But the last two feedbacks they left for sellers are both negative. And they say, 
The first one says, Canadian seller charging in U.S. dollars, selling to fellow Canadians who pay the Canadian U.S. exchange rate on purchase and shipping costs. Nice scam. And the second feedback says almost the same thing and says, nice scam, ripping off your fellow Canadians. And I was like, okay, so I don't know why this person was upset when it's clear based on the feedback they've left for others that they have bought from other Canadian sellers who also sell in U.S. dollars. Um, but, you know, whatever. I kind of left it alone and I was doing something else. And then up on my Facebook page, so our Storage Warrior Facebook page, pops a comment on a podcast episode from a few weeks ago where the person writes, so do you recommend to your listeners that they too scam their fellow Canadians? Uh, uh, you know, I recently bought blah, blah, blah. I assumed you were a U.S. seller because the exchange rate was applied to the purchase and shipping. I'm currently looking into this with eBay and one of my clients, a lawyer, to see if this is even legal. Uh, so they also wrote in another comment, I purchase from eBay frequently and have for years, which isn't really that true. They've only been a member for two years. I've made purchases from Canadian sellers. This is the first time I've had the exchange rate applied to the purchase and shipping costs of a product purchased from another Canadian, which we know is not true because they've left two negative feedbacks for other Canadian sellers for the exact same thing. Um, and then they also wrote, what she's doing is a scam, forcing unwitting Canadians to pay the exchange on not just the purchase, but the shipping as well in a product sold within Canada. Not to mention, I just noticed I paid the taxes as well. So I want to talk about this for a second. We'll sort of talk about the aspects of, you know, how to deal with these kinds of um, comments and things like that. But I do want to address, first of all, the accusations, because I know we have a lot of Canadian listeners. I know you guys are looking for Canadian content, and this is definitely something that could happen to you as a Canadian seller listing on .com. If you're a Canadian seller listing on .com, you do this for a reason. It's because at least 75% of our buyer base is, based, is in the United States. They have 10 times the population. They tend to buy more collectibles. It is just how it goes. Our market is primarily Americans, so it makes more sense to sell in American dollars and cater to that market. It's a business decision. And it's a legal one. So I did, and I'll post it in the show notes, I did look up the uh, Currency Act, Canada's Currency Act, which is on their Justice Laws website. And in uh, Chapter 13, let's see, Chapter 13 of the Currency Act, it says, and I quote, every contract, sale, payment, bill, note, instrument, and security for money, and every transaction, dealing, matter, and thing relating to money or involving the payment of or the liability to pay money shall be made, executed, entered into, done, or carried out in the currency of Canada unless... It is made, executed, entered into, done, or carried out in A, the currency of a country other than Canada, or B, a unit of account that is defined in terms of the currencies of two or more countries. Legal speak for if you're in Canada, you can sell in any currency you want. Pesos, rupees, it doesn't matter. You are allowed to do this. It's okay. Um, so the Currency Act states that. And so if you think as a Canadian seller, is it okay to be listing in US dollars? It absolutely is. And you're doing absolutely nothing wrong. Um, so don't worry about that. And I also want to address the accusation of being called a scammer. Um, scam, by definition, according to Merriam-Webster, is a, quote, a fraudulent or deceptive act or operation. So fraudulent and deceptive are the keywords we want to look at here. Now, it's not fraudulent, 
the buyer bought a thing. I shipped them that exact thing. That thing arrived in precisely the condition that it was photographed and described as. Um, so they paid money. They didn't pay any more money than they were supposed to pay, and they got exactly what they ordered, nothing less. Um, it is also not deception because all the costs are disclosed at checkout. Now, I don't know if this buyer was purchasing on ebay.ca or .com, and I can understand why there would be confusion from a Canadian buyer who sees that they're purchasing it from a Canadian, um, wondering about how that currency conversion works. But that doesn't mean that it isn't disclosed to them. Like it, it very much is. So if you're buying on the eBay.com, it'll show you the equivalent in the currency that you're paying. And as with any foreign currency transaction, and everybody should know this as a consumer, you do get charged a currency conversion fee by the merchant services provider. So if that's Visa or MasterCard or PayPal or whoever it is, they will charge to convert that currency. That is how foreign currency transactions work. Um, so I didn't commit fraud and I didn't commit deception, um, but it looks like the buyer did not um, take a super close look at that and then is perhaps upset with me about it. So as I already mentioned, we sell in US dollars because most of our buyer base is American. Actually, if uh, up until about I would say like 2017, we were primarily listing on .ca and uh, a couple of sellers had said, you really need to list on .com. You, you know, you're going to get way more sales that way. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, you know, they're, they're going to see our, our listings anyway, they're visible. And they said, no, no, it's like, you know, when the Americans see the prices in American dollars, then they see no convert, no conversion for them. It makes more sense to them. They will buy. And I was like, okay. So I switched. And as soon as we switched, our sales literally doubled. I mean, they, doubled. It worked. And of course, since then, I recommend to every Canadian seller who's only listing on ebay.ca, get on ebay.com. And even though I haven't tried uh, Poshmark US, I'm still just doing Poshmark Canada, I would imagine that the results would be pretty much the same um, on that platform as well. Uh, the only place where I never noticed the difference is when we used to sell on Etsy and I switched from Canadian dollars to US dollars on Etsy did not affect our sales. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't really understand the Etsy platform, I'll be honest. Um, but uh, anyway, that's 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 the reason. Now, I could have explained all of this to the person, but instead I chose not to engage with their aggression. It came out of nowhere. Um, I wasn't going to inflame it. Um, and in a situation like that, where they're finding our Facebook page and making public comments um, that are, you know, not truthful, uh, they're not likely to learn. They're not likely to apologize. Um, you know, so there's just there's just like no learning opportunity there. Uh, so I just didn't do it. Actually, somebody else did make a couple of comments about, um, yeah, you have to pay. GST and PST, like you're in Canada, like that's that's just it. When you make a purchase in Canada, you have to pay tax. Uh, so somebody did actually come to my defense, and then this this person ended up deleting all of their comments. But of course, not before I screenshot everything. So I still have all of that information. Um, so these kinds of things are challenging. Um, it's one thing to get a rude message from a buyer on eBay, and then it stays on eBay. It's a different thing when they find you on other platforms and start to attempt to engage with you there. Uh, it feels a little bit more dangerous. Um, it can incite a little bit more fear. If you're trying to scale up your business 
and you're trying to build a brand that's a little bit more public and a little bit more recognizable, then this is a risk you take that somebody will come and find you and make these types of comments. I'm not going to go so far as to call them defamation. I don't think like I think they were kind of walking the line, but I wouldn't make that accusation. Um, but it could get to that, you know, if you especially I think if you engage um, with the person, it's just not worth it. Um, so that's the incident. And that's what inspired me to create tonight's episode about why you need to have a sort of a thicker skin um, because this kind of stuff does tend to take a toll on us. And interestingly, there tends to be more of this behavior happening around the holidays um, and around, and then just after the holidays, you tend to get more returns. Um, you know, if buyers don't get things in time for Christmas, it upsets them. Um, there's, there's things like that. So I kind of have learned to expect a little bit more of this type of behavior around the holidays. I, you know, for whatever reason, it just seems to happen. Um, but how to deal with it, the best advice is always not to engage. And I have to admit that I sometimes don't take my own advice. <laughs> and I have occasionally engaged with buyers who have said ridiculous or inflammatory things to me. Um, in this case, because the person took it extra public, I was like, you know, this is just not a good idea. I should just, you know, keep it on the down low. Um, but uh, the bigger your online presence becomes, the more likely this type of scenario can be. Um, and then and the people who are motivated to go out and try to um, call you out publicly, whether their comments are legitimate or not, um, they can do real harm to you online from defamation to threats, cyberbullying and more. Uh, what happened to us, you know, is maybe walking the line of some of those behaviors, but thankfully it didn't progress any further. So you've heard the phrase keyboard warriors which I think that's what this was. And if you've been selling for any length of time, you've probably had a similar experience. Um, you've had somebody accuse you of something that's ridiculous, um, or you've had somebody get angry at you for no you know, real legitimate reason or nothing that's grounded in any kind of logic. Um, why does it happen? Um, there's been some research that it's worse since the pandemic, actually that um, it's sort of changed some people's psychology in a certain way, like all of that staying inside for so long has actually changed the way that a lot of people socialize. And whether that's online or in person, that um, there's been an uptick in all kinds of these sorts of negative behaviors. Um, so there, look, there's some emerging research to suggest that it, things might be worse now, but I don't know. Um, but the research around why people feel comfortable being aggressive online actually goes way back to the beginnings of the internet. So it's, you know, this is not a new problem. This is something that's been going on for a long time. Um, and there isn't a real solution for it other than to do your best at de-escalating these situations when they happen. Um, there's a, there's a concept called online disinhibition um, that some psychologists have used to try to explain uh, why people act the way that they do online. So online dis disinhibition, this is according to uh, an article from 
2022 by Jessica Muller-Coyne, Clara Voss, and Catherine Turner called The Impact of Loneliness on the Six Dimensions of Online Disinhibition. So they define it as a phenomenon where individuals in cyberspace do or say things that they would not say or do in real life situations as they feel less restrained and able to express themselves more freely. And there's some additional research being done in the online gaming world. This is not my world at all. I've never done online gaming, but there's actually quite a lot of research into aggression and cyberbullying amongst um, online video gamers and uh, the toxic behavior that can happen there. Um, and other researchers have found that, quote, it may not be anonymity itself, but the degree of obscurity that influences an individual's conduct. In 2012, psychological science researchers in Israel found that partners communicating by computer exhibited high rates of verbal aggression, what they called flaming, in many anonymous or semi-anonymous conditions. Um, when they were put into eye contact, the level of aggression decreased quite a lot. So there is something to be said for like, I can't see you. I can pretend that you're not a human being with feelings at the other end of this line of communication. And so I feel more comfortable um, you know, speaking my mind without thinking about what I'm saying before I say it. Um, so there is there is quite a lot of research behind it, and I'll post a little bit of that in the show notes if you're interested in exploring it further. Um, but these types of incidents can be really draining, um, and I think they are the kinds of things that stop a lot of people from online selling after they've been doing it for a while. If you experience a whole bunch of these difficult situations in a short period of time, it can really make you feel uh, like you start to doubt yourself. Like, maybe I'm not doing a good job with this business. Maybe I shouldn't be doing it. Maybe I don't want to deal with these kinds of people. Um, and, and so it's understandable if you are sort of the recipient of a lot of these negative comments that you might question whether online reselling is for you. Um, and that's really sad because for the for the, the majority of us or for anybody who really tries their best to be a good seller, um, these incidents compared to the amount of positive ones are, you know, they're very small. Like they're a minuscule portion of the types of interactions you have, but because they're negative, they stand out and they stick with you longer um, and they hurt a little bit more. So what I like to do when this type of thing happens is, take a break. First of all, I got to get off my computer. I can't obsess over every comment. I can't obsess over every message. Sit there and refresh and wait for the new comment. It's time to get up, close the laptop, walk away, take a few deep breaths, get away from my business for a few minutes or even a few hours. And if I can go out and get some fresh air, go for a walk um, and just kind of detach from the business for a little time to um, get my perspective back. Uh, and then another thing that I like to do when I get back on the computer is go and read all the positive feedback that we've received and remind myself that most buyers are really happy with what we do. Um, and so like thinking about a positive story or a happy thing that's um, that's happened to you is like a great way to just sort of move on from the negative effects of um, some of the things that uh, unnecessarily upset buyers do. Um, we had we had this one fellow who's bought a bunch of model kits from, from us and he bought a model kit. And in the title of our listing, it said more decals inside box. And then he wrote me and he's like, yeah, I didn't get the more decals inside box. And I looked at my listing and 
I was like, why does it say that? I have no idea why that text was in the title. I don't know if it was carried over from another listing, but there were no pictures of additional decals. There was no mention in the description of additional decals. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I can see why you expected more decals, but um, I don't know what to say because I'm not sure what we were supposed to send you. And, and they said, oh, that's, you know, don't worry about it. You know, like, you know, uh, you know, I'll make another purchase from you anyway. And they did. And uh, we found that we had some extra model kit decals like in a bin. And so we just threw some of them into the package and that buyer was really happy. Um, it was a very easy way to, uh, you know, to sort of help them out. Um, so positive usually meets with more positive. Um, and that's what I try to do is to go back and look at, look, here are all of the great buyers who are really happy with what we do. All the people who support our business, um, you know, they're the ones that really, really matter. And um, keeping that perspective is really key, I think, to maintaining your motivation to keep reselling um, and uh, building kind of a resistance to uh, the types of negative comments that some people make. Uh, so I wanted to just kind of debrief that with you. And I'm curious what you think. I would love to hear some stories from you. So I thought this would be really fun because everybody has a story of a buyer who just said or did something that was ridiculous or shocking or upsetting. Um, and so I thought maybe we could share some of those stories. So your call to action for this week is to go find this episode on YouTube. So if you're listening on a podcatcher, head over to our YouTube channel, just search um, the business of reselling by storage warrior, and you will find me and leave a comment. Uh, has anybody ever wrongly accused you of something online? Or do you have just like an unbelievable story of a buyer that, you know, you feel like aligns with this story. I want to hear your craziest, most ridiculous, most unbelievable story. Uh, and let's get those comments going. So get on YouTube, hit the like button. That's what everybody asks you to do at the end of the episode. Hit that like button, leave a comment, share it with your friends, and let's get the word out there. One more episode next week. Uh, that'll be episode 20 and our last one of the year. It'll be a short one. And I look forward to creating it for you. Have a great day.